1: Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith. And today, listeners, I've got a fabulous returning guest, Sam Kiani. Sam, how are you? Hi, Lynn. Thanks for having me back. It's such a pleasure to be here. Sam, just give the audience a little bit of a, an overview as to what it is you do and what, what's your area of
2: expertise. Sure, thanks. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just like an, a bit of an uber geek on... Um, humans i think (laughs) so um, i had uh, a career in uh, chemistry and uh, project management that led me to realize that all the problems that we face no matter how technical are basically to do with relationships and so i now work as a coach i coach uh leaders i coach teams i coach individuals And I'd say a large part of what I do, although I don't specialize in relationship coaching, is there's a lot of work that all comes down to relationships, communications and yeah, how to, you know, how we can both feel and give and receive um, love and connection to others. Excellent. So. What we thought would be a great one to talk about today,
1: especially in our current climate, for those that might be listening in future episodes uh, or time down the line, uh, we're actually in lockdown at the minute in uh, the global pandemic that's going on in the year 2020. And we thought it'd be great to talk about handling conflict because obviously with this current situation, I think that's more prevalent now in our relationships, isn't it, Sam?
2: Yeah, I think... um you know, when we um, are talking in any other way other than face-to-face and when we're having conversations, when we're stressed, uh, you know, there's always a much higher chance for conflict. And, oh, my goodness, COVID, we're all stressed, we're all tired and we're all communicating over the internet. (laughs) And and certainly, I suppose, for those
1: couples or families that are actually – in a lockdown situation, that can create its own pressure, can't it? So if we're sort of normally used to being free to have some space and time away from our partners and away from our family, just
2: being in that confined space can create problems, can't it? Yeah, that's right. There's been a total mashing together of um, our work life and our home life. And for those of us that have uh, children, that um, don't have an easy space that we can work at home without interruption, that's been a massive stress. And also the way that work has bled into our home life. And I think it's no surprise that the, you know, uh, domestic violence statistics are up something like 50%, you know, this year compared to last year. Yes, And that's something that I just think is, uh, you know, is quite heartbreaking and that's what, you know, makes me delighted really to be on your podcast today Lynn.
1: Yeah that's certainly I think you know I think we both have empathy and uh, understanding around how those situations can escalate and you know wanting to help women especially I know it can work the other way around where men can be on the end of domestic abuse and domestic violence also let's not you know uh, escape that but you know, feeling trapped in that environment can feel like um, you're on your own, can't it? And uh, I feel that between us, you know, as female leaders, we can help women that are in that situation to understand that they're not alone. So what would be your advice to women that need to uh, handle conflict, potential conflict situations or that might be in these domestic abuse environments?
2: Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, domestic abuse is a is a very um, difficult situation, and I think that it's really important to get help. And um, I'm not sure that I even feel qualified to advise because, you know, I I know that myself, you know, um, I've been very up close to other people having that type of um, violence in their life. And it's, you know, it's very, very scary. And it's really important to, I think where our conversation today will help us is, or help other people rather is to um, understand how to avoid getting into those situations and also how to deescalate because, There's a lot of dynamics that are involved and some of these are ones we can control, but it's also important to recognise that not everything is under our our control and there might be that your partner has personality issues and to recognise that what's important to you is important and that your needs are valid no matter what.
1: Absolutely, 100% agree. So if you were to give some advice around handling conflict what would be your you know uh, or could you share a scenario where that's been resolved you know for a client that you've dealt with for example
2: yeah so I, I suppose um one of the things that I could uh talk about you know would be maybe even from my own experience because um I've Uh, I grew up in a household where my uh, mum and dad had an awful lot of conflict uh, between them. And so my model of, you know, working relationships wasn't uh, fantastic. And so in my very early uh, dating uh, dynamics, I remember one boyfriend that I had, we definitely picked up on this kind of like negative pattern. And what I realised is, is that, um, I was really angry. And so even though I would squash it and behave in quite passive uh, ways,
0: Mm.
2: I would do things like stonewall. So I would sort of shut down and not say how I felt. And I would also be very defensive. And this would spark in him anger where he would come very heavy with, you know, contempt and belittling me. And so with perspective and after doing a lot of my own personal development work, I could reflect on that relationship and see that he wasn't a bad person, right? He fundamentally, you know, wasn't like a narcissistic sociopath who wanted to, uh, you know, torture me. It was just that we created a dynamic between ourselves that was really unhealthy.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that. I I feel that, you know, for a lot of relationships, it's not about the other person or putting labels on the other person. Okay, yeah, there are some evil people in the world and there probably are some out and out, or we know there are some out and out narcissists and psychopathic type personalities out there. But I think for the most part, I think what we trigger in our relationships is unhealed wounds, isn't it? That uh, Mm. not necessarily anything to do with us. Per se as the partner, but you know, with their childhood or previous relationships, usually isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I think it. I mean, I've my um, my uh, my life, and you know, my work around relationships is. I I think it's been very informed in a way by, um, you know, uh, Buddhist uh, Buddhist ways of thinking, mm. and um, not so much from the religious side of things, but really, you know, they have you know so much practical uh, cognitive behavioral stuff uh, baked in there i think it's amazing and i think the it really helps if we have a model for what real love looks like yes because i think in the territory of relationships we we start off on the wrong footing where um fitchnat Hand talks about we're a you know we're a pot an empty pot seeking a lid. <laughs> and I think that's such a funny metaphor because it's like, we so desperately want to be loved that we, um, we don't understand what real love looks like. How would you define that, Sam? You know, what would what, what you define as
1: what does real love look like? Yeah,
2: well, I, I leverage from uh, Thich Nhat Hand's work uh, and he talks about there being four parts uh, to love that true love has its basis in kindness, and we can talk about kindness as being being able to be kind to ourselves. So this requires us to be able to heal ourselves and be the sunshine for someone else. Um, the second part is around compassion, which is about understanding that we all we all suffer. And so the things that we struggle with, we don't struggle alone because we know that our partner might be struggling with these things too. We just have different ways of dealing with it. And then the third one I really love, it's about this quality of joy, that true love has to have a a quality of joy that, like, your presence almost is like an offering. And that, um, you know, we bring... uh, lightness and happiness and you know real sense of joy into someone else's life um and the last component is about equanimity which is about this kind of inclusive quality um and it also has this dynamic of really like not taking things personally Mm. so with those kind of four foundations you know, because if we're crying all the time and we feel really sad and we've got all these difficult feelings, you know, is that really love? You know, if we're yearning after someone who will never pay us attention, is that really love? No,
1: um, I don't think there is um, a difference between, you know, showing vulnerability or love from a, a place of um fear and lack and also showing that from a place of love and abundance you know that looks completely different because I think for a lot of people they think that vulnerability is weakness and it isn't you know it depends from what place you're displaying that
0: from.
2: Yeah and and for me this is really where um the the mechanism of getting into conflict the first stage is for us to shut down where we uh we we deliberately we feel um vulnerable and we feel at risk. And so we shut down, we say, F you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need you. And we push the other person away. Yeah. And that's what causes the mechanism that then escalates into, um, you know, into mo- much more serious conflict. And so if we can tackle that first bit of vulnerability, this is like the first stage of breaking down the armor um, that, that helps us manage conflict a lot better. But if I go back to that example I gave you right in the beginning about me stonewalling, well, this is armoring up, right? This is me going, oh, I don't feel safe. Yes. Oh, so I'll just shut up. Oh, so I'll just become very passive. And so what occurs to me is that, you know, because there's a reason why we don't feel safe right there's a there's a reason why we shut down Mm. and assuming that the other person doesn't have evil intent to us they probably don't intend for that to happen right true so the best thing we can do is to talk a bit about you know we might not be able to bear our heart on our sleeve right away right that's you know vulnerability is like a you know a a graded thing for me you know uh that's I can't say it about being reciprocal, (laughs) you know, like, you know, the amount that you're vulnerable informs the amount I can be vulnerable in a way. Yes. Well, usually one
1: person has to um, take the lead in that, doesn't they? To make it safe for the other person to feel that they can follow suit.
2: That's right. So I feel like what would have been really powerful for me if I'd have known back then when I stonewalled is as I felt myself shutting down, if I just said that, ooh, hang on, I feel myself shutting down right now hmm i i i don't feel like i can say what's important to me yes you know just give me a minute hold on (laughs) you know and and through doing that it it just helps us from stopping to armor up and get into conflict definitely and that's
1: important what you just said actually because I feel that you know, whether you're male or female, we 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 do um, both have um, that response sometimes in situations where we what we feel like we need to close our heart. We feel threatened, you know. That's our mind and our ego stepping in, you know, and, and protecting us. It feels like it, you know, it wants to protect us. So we we instantly either you know fight, flight, or freeze in those right. uh, you know moments because that's what's locked into our natural human dna isn't it as a response to do but like you say to actually then be able to communicate that that's what's happening that's
2: what most of us don't do is it it's right and you know what's so interesting is that um what's at the heart of all conflict is something that we need something that's important to us that's not being met and so what's so interesting, I've coached quite a few couples who've been in real conflict um, where one or other or both of the partners has been violent. And what's so interesting is that it doesn't matter if you're the aggressor or what's the right word, the one on the receiving end of the aggression, hmm. the f- the feelings that underpin the behavior are surprisingly similar. So a very typical pattern is one partner will be violent. The other will be stonewalling. And when that happens, both of them are afraid. Both of them will have a need that will boil down to, I don't feel heard. I don't feel loved by you. I don't feel significant to you. And, what's happened is in the psychology of both people is one has gone for a strategy of aggression and the other one has gone for a, for a, a strategy of hiding but both of them are aimed at defending the fear of being hurt and
1: there lies you know um, what all relationships are about it's you know it's a, it's a mirror isn't it it's a, quite often a reflection of what we're both feeling.
2: Yeah. And so it's really funny that it doesn't matter what side of the equation that you're on or what your pattern is. But if you just do that first step of recognizing what, what's going on, which is a bit, of, you know, it might take a bit of practice to even do that, to, be like, uh, to realize that you're getting really angry you know, to, re- to feel that you're going into that place, you know, mm-hmm. or to realise that you're going into contempt and sarcasm, you know, to just be able to say it like, oh, I'm being really, oh, I'm feeling really angry. To just be able to say that, to say what's going on is just, even just that is really powerful. Especially in the
1: moment that you're feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> and being reactive rather than think, you know, holding yourself back and thinking how you know can I respond to this in a in a healthy way um, yeah. you know in the moment it can be literally an instant reaction if 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 you're the, the aggressor or or the one that's um on the receiving end of that aggression to be the one that withdraws or you know slips into that victim mentality
2: that's right and and I feel like these are habits and patterns that are ingrained in us right because we 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 have a way that we tend to interact with the world mm. um, that kind of plays out in all of our relationships. And so I really recognize that, that there are these kind of uh, patterns that we, that we're in, but what's so interesting is that it doesn't really take much to just to, to begin to become aware and to just be able to take that little pause. I mean, that is the foundational of kind of emotional intelligence, isn't it? Yes. And I think that, it really helps to be uh, a bit outcome orientated. You know what I mean by that—that that rather than just being caught up in this thing of I have to prove that I'm right. <laughs> you know, to be thinking what is the outcome. You know, what am I from this argument I'm having? You know, what? what where do I want to be at the end of it?
1: <laughs> you know. Yeah, I understand completely because um, you know, the, you know, just having dealt with the. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People that have been through these sort of types of scenarios, I understand that um, we can quite often, can't we, get into the blame game of thinking it's him or it's her. Uh, and when actually, you know what, quite a, a big question would be, once it's over, is to ask yourself, what's my responsibility within this? You know, how did I contribute to that situation?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I. I I, I think that um, this, it, it's so hard to do it in the moment, right? That reflecting on the arguments that we've had afterwards, not ruminating on them, not replaying them endlessly in our head, but just being like, what, what was going on for me? What did I really want? And what actually happened? Because then we open up that space, don't we, where we can think, what might I do um, differently next time? Most definitely. And I think it's human
1: nature quite often that we always want to be right, don't we? We always want to prove that we are right and, and feel a sense of, um, you know, uh, I suppose, superiority <laughs> for our partner. If we can prove that we're right. But is that really the outcome we want? Do we want to actually prove that we're right or do we want the intimacy?
2: Yeah, that's right. And it, it's, it's quite interesting if we think about um, because communication and relationships are so intertwined. Um, I think like communication is the absolute lifeblood of relationships. And so, you know, me being a bit of a science nerd, I, I think, well, why do we even communicate in the first place? <laughs> you know, I was, I was a bit drawn, you know, to silent retreats at a certain time because, oh, it was just so difficult. Right. And I think it's really interesting to notice that there's the um, like transactional, communication which is like to convey or to gather information yes and when we're in our male be that women or men you know that's a very male trait of communication
1: that masculine energy yeah
2: yeah and then there is like uh you know there's those of us um i know i'm definitely like this that you know by talking with other people you know it helps me think and it helps me explore and it helps me discover new information and that's more a feminine
1: because we that's how we heal ourselves, isn't it? We're not actually looking for solutions, but just by talking about our problems, it can help us to feel better.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And another thing that's really quite um, in the feminine is about um, communicating to feel better and to centre ourselves. And I think although this has traditionally been seen as a, something women do, I think that that's very old fashioned now that, In actual fact, we're much more, both men and women are both very much masculine and feminine at the same time. Yeah. I mean, we all have masculine and feminine energy. This is what
1: I teach. But, um, you know, for the most part, if we're in opposite sex relationships, then usually it's the woman that's got the more dominant feminine energy and the man that's got the more dominant masculine energy. But we've all got both.
2: Hmm. It's so interesting you say that because a lot of the people that I, I coach, um, are working people. Right. And what I really see is that, um, women increasingly, uh, because the world of work, especially, you know, like around, uh, you know, banking, consulting, you know, this type of thing, you know, people that that world of work is very masculine Yes. So a trait that I've seen absolutely happening or a pattern is that women get trapped in their masculine. Yes. And so they, by doing that, we push our men into the feminine. And so we then get this dynamic, which is just the woman saying, God, I just need a bit of space on my own. And the man saying, you know, the man being very emotional and needing time from the woman to actually feel better and to centre.
1: Yeah, and you know what, you know, if you are somebody who um, knows within yourself that you're that strong feminine energy, which is usually the case if you're a woman and you're attracted to the opposite sex, we're not actually attracted to the feminine energy in a man. You know, what we do and want mostly is, and I'm not saying it's the case for every relationship, is that strong masculine male man? Uh, because I can remember, you know, um, you know, in my relationship with my ex-husband, for example, being more, you know, wanting to be in control of that relationship based on my past experiences. And I found that, you know, the more stronger I was in, in, in exuding my masculine energy, the, the more he, like you say, he stepped more into his feminine. And then all we had in the end was a uh, friendship type, Relationship because I wasn't attracted to that femininity side of him. I mean, yes, it is nice to see men that are you know a bit show the vulnerability, but from a place of being in their strong masculine energy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's attractive, <laughs> not from a place of um, you know uh, being, I suppose, in their fear and lack mindset.
2: And and here's here's the the, the kind of the heartbreaking dynamic that I see that we women create for ourselves with the men in our lives because we are now able to be very strong and we become, we get trapped in our masculine. We make our men increasingly feminine that pushes us into feeling, you know, stress because an overwhelm, more women than ever feel uh, overwhelmed. And part of this is biological because our testosterone levels are elevated beyond the level that's normal for a woman. And so we feel some biological stress and it's the same for the men. And, you know, we push men into the feminine. And so their oxytocin and uh, estrogen hormones get pushed higher than, you know, and their testosterone drops below a level that's normal for men. And so they feel biological stress, but what it comes down to is, it, it really is fundamental around communication because what we do when we women are trapped in our masculine, we don't talk about needs. We no. talk about things and stuff and actions. So for example, we get very good at telling the men all the things that they're not doing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> instead of saying what we really need, which might be, I really need to have some fun with you. Yeah or I really need you to be that strong kind of sexy man and to kind of, you know, take me out somewhere. Um, Instead that gets mashed up in a, you know, I'm doing all the work around here and you never talk to me anymore. You've always got your head in your iPhone and you never pay me any attention. And the funny thing is when we say all of that, all we do is we push them away. We push them further into their being absorbed in their phone or whatever. Right.
1: Definitely, because all the men here, when we're putting it across in that way, is them being criticised, you know, and, and that's how they receive it. And if they're re- receiving it as being criticised compared or, you know, um, can, what's the other C? Oh, God. I forgot my own C now. Is it, <laughs> is, it con-
2: is it condemned?
1: Well, something similar, you know, <laughs> if they feel like they're being criticised compared to or uh, there's another C that I quite often talk about. <laughs> <laughs> as as that, then they, they will receive it as criticism and um withdrawal, definitely
2: yeah yeah and it's funny that you you say that because with your C's that that is the heart of of conflict and what will basically um escalate rapidly ultimately into violence if people have that tendency if if um if things don't de-escalate you know sooner yeah um, I've uh, just remembered
1: because, it I've just remembered it go on. <laughs> it's the obvious one control
2: <laughs> oh controlled yes controlled of course yeah um because I think there are these magic words um which is it's not your fault mm. and it can be quite hard when you think that something is someone else's fault yes but, that's where I don't know if you've come across the work of Marshall Rosenberg and non-violent communication. Yes. And it's this way that we can um express what's going on for us without blaming. Um and there's this great um situation, behavior, impact, need model that he has, which might be something like, I'm gonna make it up now, but you know, Lynn, when you talk a lot and you don't let me get a word in edgeways the impact on me is i feel like i don't have anything important to say so i wonder if i can ask you um would you be able to just ask me what my opinion is every now and again mm-hmm. Would you do that yes, yes. and what, what is your opinion on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and that's so different isn't it than yes. I mean you you never let me get a word in edgeways <laughs> it's so frustrating i'm sorry I didn't realise you know, I, I that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you see, you went straight to a sorry. You know, you went straight to feeling on the back foot, like you'd done something wrong. And really, um, I don't know. You know, I'm so far down this journey. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong. It's just we accidentally tread on each other's toes sometimes, isn't it? You know, it's so there is a way of being able to express what's real for us without blaming other people. And I think that's such a powerful tool.
1: And and I think you gave a good example earlier on. It's about starting with the way you feel, you know, um, rather than pointing the finger and say you never take me out. It would be a case of you know, uh, uh, saying something along the lines, "I would love to go out for a meal this weekend. I really miss that."
2: Yeah, and I, I'm I'm a I'm a Gemini, right? So one of the one of my superpowers that I try and lean into is playfulness. Yes. And I think we can get so playful with this Um, because one of the ways I've caused a lot of conflict with my partner is by doing the, we never go out. This place is such a mess, you know, (laughs) and, and instead it's like to write down all the things that you say that drives your partner mad and figure out what your need is that you could express Mm. because the thing that makes my partner see red, right. Is when I say, Oh my God, this house is a pigsty. Yes. (laughs) Going, Sounds no, like you're blaming me. him
1: for it, then, if you say it in that way, doesn't
2: it? Right. He it he hears, a, a he doesn't? Hear, yeah, he hears, like, oh, my God, you've been really messy. Because he'll then go into, look, it's your books that you've left all over the place again. And look, it's your clothes that are all over the floor. And then that makes me angry because I realise it is all me. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, if I say, oh, gosh, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. What I need is to have some fun today. And look, I feel like there are all these jobs we've got to do around the house yeah that, that would be a much better way of expressing what's real for me rather than going this place is a pigsty
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and we say things without realizing how especially you know because men do think feel and respond and behave differently to women you know that's why there are the, the differences in the sexes so uh quite often you know how a woman would receive um words from you would be different to how a man re- receives that and it, it is it is quite hard for the men sometimes when we say things um such as like the house is a mess and we're only sort of commenting about the house but the way like you said the way they receive it is that they're feeling that's a criticism of them and their behavior Um, so it is a minefield sometimes but hopefully we've given you know some (laughs) wisdom and insights and different responses that we can think about going forward.
2: It's right. But I'm, I'm just reflecting on, um, again, um, some of the work I've done with clients. And, you know, when we're in these patterns of relationship where there is conflict, um, we do become very disconnected from our own needs because we do get so artful at squashing them down. And so I feel like, although it sounds easy, to say, oh, you know, the house is a mess, right? What's my need? Oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like that's, that might be quite a journey to go on. Definitely. I wonder if you recognize that in your own history, Lynn, and what, what might you've done about that?
1: Yeah, I I think for me, I've always done my best now to question what, what do I need to, you know, ask myself better questions in other words, what do I need to see in this situation? Right now, and this probably comes on the back of reflecting after you know the event has took place, and we've already had that moment of conflict. But you know, it does um, help going forward to check yourself if you ask yourself empowering questions after you've had a moment of conflict, such as, um, what did what do I need to see in this situation? What do I need to learn in this situation? How have I contributed to this situation?" Rather than going into your headspace. And, uh, you know, pointing the finger and saying, he always does this, he always does that, and playing the blame game.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, something that's helped me is to think about, like, who do I really want to be? You know, what do I want the experience of being in a relationship with me to be like for the other person? Yeah, you know, I'm, Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's where I kind of come back to that model of what love really looks like, because if I want to be, um, uh, a positive force in someone's life, if I want to be sunshine in someone's life, um, if I want to have a really equal partnership, you know, um, you know, how do I show up to kind of, to create that? Because it's really, really important to recognize that relationships are, are a dynamic, And that's not to say that we're responsible for the relationship, but it's to say it is co-created. So what is it that you and I can create together in our relationship, you know, based on how I show up and how you then choose to show up?
1: 100% agree. And it is all about, um, I suppose, knowing that you're not to blame for your past behaviours because, you know, this is, um something we're not educated about is it (laughs) when we're growing up quite often but you know you know once you are educated about it you know take responsibility uh, for how you show up going forward
2: yeah I think one of the other things that just comes to my mind as we've been talking Lynn about um you know relationships and avoiding conflict is I don't know about you but I definitely had this false belief way back when that was just that we should be good at these things, right? And that um, constructive relationships where there is no conflict, you know, that's a sign that the relationship is right. And something that I've realized along the way is that relationship skills are learned. Mm -hmm. And being able to communicate And the self-awareness, the emotional intelligence, that's all learned. These These are skills. Absolutely, 100%. So I kind of think that when we get into conflict, you know, instead of it being based on who we are, we can think of it in these terms of, like, skill. So when things don't go well and we get into an argument and we've been the aggressor, Instead of us going into like, I'm a terrible person and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know, we can be like, I didn't handle that quite as skillfully as I could. So, you know, going through the learnings, like you talked about how might I do things differently next time when they say that and I see red, what can I do differently? You know, instead of going back into that same old pattern of blowing up. Um, I just think that's really helpful to think of it from a skill level rather than a a who I am sort of point of view.
1: I I agree and absolutely can sort of see that, you know, looking at it from a skill level, you actually, if you think about it in terms of similar to learning to drive, you know, eventually it becomes autopilot, doesn't it? You know, start with you're always stalling the car or you have to really think about what gear you're in. Um, uh, and then eventually, you know, you start to learn to drive, but still make mistakes, but, you know, eventually, you know, you get to a point where it's more or less autopilot. So, you know, there's, diff- there's different levels of skills that can be applied in relationships the same, can't it?
2: Yeah, I really think so. And for me, like the, the superpower in relationships really is the combination of like, um, needs, like us understanding what it is we need and us being curious about the needs of others and being able to express ourselves without blame um, around our own needs and about whether or not we can meet others' needs is you know is the core of smooth, easy, flowing relationships.
1: Yeah, and, and getting to a stage where we're responding rather than reacting.
2: Mm. Yeah. One one of the other like um Easy, because I think as well, like some of this stuff sounds really hard around relationships, but actually, some of the the biggest wins can come through very easy practices. And one of the things that, um, again, like I, I, you probably know that, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse of relationships, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, stonewalling, contempt, criticism, and defensiveness. Mm. I think I I was looking through these. And I always think that stonewalling is my worst, but actually defensiveness and criticism have also been very real for me. <laughs> yeah. and, um, it's really funny how playfulness is the antidote to kind of almost all of these things, right? How if we can just lighten up a little and not take things personally and I'm the easy bit of this is around um, like feedback, And by feedback, I mean communication that's not about something specific. And there's this ratio of five to one, you know, that um, John Gottman noticed in in successful relationships, there's five positive um, components of communication to every one that's negative. Mm. And so I've turned this into a bit of a game. That Because I can be very transactional and get it done and nitpicky if I'm not careful. Mm. And so I think, can I be, number one, supportive? Number two, funny? Number three, helpful? Number four, playful? Number five, useful? You know, and then I can (laughs) criticise. I love that. You
1: know, because I do honestly strive more and more because i think it is in my natural nature to be quite playful and funny and bubbly Mm. um and i i honestly do strive to be more playful in my relationships you know um in terms of what how i can respond so thank you for sharing that
2: yeah you're welcome i think you know any any ways that we can um find to uh make the process of relating better easier I think is uh, is really useful well if you were to give me one tip of something that you've found that really helps us avoid conflict or to de-escalate conflict what what might that be from your point of view Lynn well what I've done that's worked for me
1: because I'm a bit of a playful person is I've, I've kept the pouty lip so you know if my partner has been a bit irritable towards me or snappy I've I've stood there with the, you know, the sad dog eyes and the pouty lip and <laughs> I've pointed to it, you know, without saying a word, I've just pointed to the pouty lip with one finger. And then if he's not responding, then I, I point to it with both fingers from both hands, point to the pouty lip. And that, that usually, you know, he'll say, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. <laughs> <It's> not <laughs> happening. So,
2: yeah. Oh, I love it. That's really good. That's such a playful way of being a mirror. My, my husband does a bit of this, like he'll say, you know, oh, why are you being so angry with me? What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> Go on with your bad self being angry, you know. <laughs> but I, I like your pouty lips and puppy eyes. That's, uh, that's a really playful way of doing it.
1: <laughs> it certainly worked for me in the past anyway. And on that note, Sam, we're going to have to wrap up because of the time cracking on. But um, what would be the best contact? Um, social media or address that you could share for our audience members to get in touch with you
2: amazing yeah so the best place to find me really is on um, Instagram you can find me at inspired underscore uh, sorry helps if I can even say my own Instagram handle wouldn't it Uh, it's it's at underscore inspired dot world And from there, you can uh, look in my profile, you can click on my link tree and you can get all my connections. So all the podcasts that I've done before, my website, my blog and everything like that.
1: Brilliant. And we'll also share all that obviously as normal in our show notes. So it just leaves me to say, if you've really enjoyed this episode with Sam Kiani and myself, thank you so much, Sam. Thanks, Lynn. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Then please do subscribe like comment review and to help support the channel and it just leaves me to say true love starts with opening our hearts and
0: until next time goodbye for now thanks for listening to the hearts entwined podcast you can follow lynn via the facebook group two hearts entwined or search lynn smith inspirational speaker at linkedin or email lynn at hearts entwined.com That's lyn at hearts-entwined dot com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.